prayed already, uh, do have, as we've sung the words of that song, uh, do have your Bibles open. Uh, if you have them, that will help us. Um, we should have some slides. There we go. They're on the screen. I think Rich is uh, in control of those. I'll give you the nod at the right moment. Um, not, not overly cumbersome slides, just to help guide us through our passage. And, and the first thing I want to do is ask you, do you know what you were doing on the 15th of June, 2008? Do you know what you were doing then? In 2008, I was leading a church youth group, and I wrote some Bible studies based on a fantastic book called If You Could Ask God One Question. It's part of the Christianity Explored series. On the 15th of June, 2008, and I only know it because I dated the Bible study, we looked at the question, if I can be forgiven everything... Surely I can do whatever I'd like. Each of us wants to live as gods of our lives instead of God. We want to kick God off his throne, plonk ourselves right down on it. That's what the Bible calls sin. We want to live as gods of our lives instead of God, for which God is rightly angry. But we can be forgiven. Not because of anything we do, but because of everything Jesus has done. Jesus took God's punishment in our place. So we can be forgiven. It's, it's Jesus' free gift to us, what the Bible calls grace. A free gift we don't deserve to anyone and everyone who will trust in Jesus. Freely forgiven. So the question is, if I can be forgiven everything, surely I can do whatever I like. Well, the answer the false teachers Jude was writing against would say, yes, indeed. That is exactly what you can do. And in fact, the more you sin, the better, because it shows just how great God is at forgiving. I had to burst that bubble with my youth group 13 years ago. As Jude 4 says, these false teachers have perverted the grace of our God into a license for immorality, denying Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. We can't turn God's grace into a license to do whatever we want, just because that's what we want to do. God's grace isn't cheap grace. It costs Jesus his life to give it to us. And people who know they are sinners but have been freely forgiven by Jesus cannot help but love him for that. And John 14, Jesus says, if we love him, we will obey what he commands. Jesus isn't just our saviour, but he's also our sovereign and our Lord. As one minister said to me, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. A life of loving God wholeheartedly and loving our neighbour as ourselves. Being a Christian isn't a free pass to living a life full of love for ourselves, but living a life of love for God and for others. This letter of Jude, brother of James and Jesus, is written shortly after AD 70 to churches where false teachers had crept in with another gospel, another faith, a different set of teaching and belief, the gospel of cheap grace. And this letter is written to urge and warn Christians not to be fooled. With that option before us, don't, don't believe the lie of the false gospel that says you've been forgiven everything, so you can do whatever you'd like. In fact, more than that, says Jude, Jude 3, this is really the headline of Jude's letter in a nutshell, contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Face up to, 
stand firm against, call out false teaching in the church that promotes ungodly living. This is a great letter. Rarely do we get to preach the whole book of the Bible in a one-off sermon, but here we are. That's the plan this morning. Inevitably, though, we're not going to dig into all the details. We've had to leave much on the cutting room floor. But I do hope there is still much for us this morning to challenge and encourage us on in our context here, in this place and in our lives. Four things for this morning. Let's pick up the first of those, the first heading on the slides. Jude's call to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. I hope you had the chance to tune into this year's Commonwealth Games, um, if you like sport, that is. Do you know how much effort goes into being a top-class athlete? Well, my lockdown love handles still here suggest that I probably don't know that. (laughs) But but that word contend in verse 3 is hard work, conscious effort of, of athletic proportions to contend. To contend for the faith. Jude calls these Christians to contend for the faith that was once For all entrusted to God's holy people to make every effort to contend for the faith in their belief and in their behaviour. Not for faith in general or for their faith. The things they hold true and dear, what they believe about who God is, but the faith. Contend for the faith. Not, Not who they want God to be, but who God tells them he is. And what he says about living as his people in his world, a recognised body of teaching, as one Christian writer notes, that's been given, it's been entrusted to them. In a world of relative truth, where you have your faith, I have mine, we believe in different things, but we're we're all just people of faith. Jude stops short. What counts isn't that you believe in something, but what you believe in. And that something is worth contending for with athletic proportion. The faith. It's ultimately what we call the biblical gospel or or the gospel, good news, in shorthand. Except the problem is that there are lots of different gospels around. In Jude's time and in our time, each offering a different option of what to believe and how to behave. Each offering a different option of what sin is and and how to deal with its problem. The faith is ultimately what we call the biblical gospel. The good news. God's good news that as we turn and trust in Jesus, sinners like us, like you and like me, we find forgiveness and are welcome into God's family. Because of everything Jesus has done. Jesus took God's punishment in our place so we can be freely forgiven. Freely forgiven to live our lives no longer as gods of our lives, but to live our lives with the rightful king and God on the throne, Jesus. To live for Jesus. Freely forgiven to live for Jesus now and forever because of everything Jesus has done to win our forgiveness. It is precious It is glorious, it is liberating, and it's worth contending for because, as Jude notes, false gospels that promote ungodly living bring their followers under judgment. There are many enemies of the biblical gospel. 
determined to destroy its truth, to twist, and verse 4, to pervert it, to turn it into a license to please ourselves, whilst at the same time claiming to live for Jesus. In a world of COVID, we understand this notion of vaccines more than ever at the moment. In a world where sin is the fatal disease infecting all of our bodies, the Bible tells us God has prescribed one treatment for it. A vaccine that will be ruined if it's altered. And the biblical gospel is that vaccine. Entrusted to God's people to pass on. Not to change to suit the current culture. But since its inception, the church has been under pressure to do that. And so, brothers and sisters, that's true for us too in our time and our place. It's really interesting that sex and relationships has often been uh, the area Christians have faced battles in to stand for truth and godliness. Not to change the call of the biblical gospel to live faithful lives for Jesus in this area of our lives. Jude gives hints to this in his letter in verse 7. That's the clearest example of the danger of sexual immorality. It's not only the area, it's not the only area Christians are under pressure to compromise the biblical gospel in, but it is an area. And it's an easy area where the grace of God can be turned into an excuse for permissiveness. And it is the area of profile in the moment, in our time and our place, within our culture and within church culture, certainly for me within the Church of England. Pressure to compromise God's plan of flourishing for human relationships. Pressure to redefine God's gift of marriage between one man and one woman. But Jude says, contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. And beware the lie of cheap grace. That's the next heading on the screens. Contend for the faith. Rich is deep in his Bible. The second heading on the screens. Contend for the faith and beware the lie of cheap grace. We've got to take this call to contend for the faith seriously. Because of the lie of cheap grace. Of of permissiveness to live however we please. A a license, Jude puts it in verse 4, for immorality. That has a terrible outcome. To change the vaccine makes it ineffective and the disease will ultimately kill us. Verse 4, to deny Jesus Christ as our only sovereign and Lord is to deny the only means we have of being saved from the disease of sin. Jude gives us a series of warnings on this point through to the end of verse 16. The scariest thing for me is there in verse 4. I don't know if you've heard of Among Us. It's an online game currently on trend with people of various ages and stages, probably not uh, of my age and stage. Uh, You are part of a team trying to repair a crashed spaceship, but one of the crew is an imposter taking out key systems and uh, killing crewmates. You have to work out who the imposter is. And if you don't know it, think of a, a sort of 21st century game of Cluedo. The scariest thing for me about false teachers is that they are among us in the church. They have slipped in and set up shop, as one other preacher puts it. False teachers don't walk around with a big sign saying, I'm a false teacher, let me lead you away from Jesus. 
They are warm and they are welcome and they are believable. They are welcomed into the church. You know the old saying, wolves in sheep's clothing, not growling, but soft and cuddly. They are nice people. They seem very, very spiritual. We might even give them the label mature Christians. Yet they are teaching grace as a license for immorality. They are denying Jesus' call to live lives of repentance and faith. Repentance, turning from sin to God. That's not a one-off thing we just do to get saved, like, like pressing a button and then going back to doing what we were doing. It is a whole change of direction of life. Yes, we are forgiven in that moment as we turn and trust in Jesus, our saviour. But what that does is it sets us off in a new direction of life, a life of repentance and faith, living with Jesus as our Lord. Live your new life in Christ, yes. Flourish in him, yes. Be the person God made you to be with a new identity in Christ, yes. But those things inevitably mean turning away from the sin in our hearts and in our lives and doing that daily battle to live for Jesus until the day's sin is no more in our lives when Jesus returns. Wolves in sheep's clothing. But verse 12, it's even scarier than that. These are wolves in shepherd's clothing. They are more dangerous. Or to keep with the vaccine illustration, these are people dressed as doctors who want to give us a tampered vaccine. They're even more dangerous because we trust them more. False teachers, they're not just participating in the community of God's people, but they are leading it. Yet they are shepherds feeding themselves on the flock. Verse 12, without fruit and uprooted. Verse 13, leaving only their scum and rubbish behind them like wild waves of the sea. Do we get how dangerous this is? But also how pervasive it is in church life generally? We naturally look outside of ourselves to other churches. You guys rightly would look at the Church of England. But it could be happening in any church. A pastor, a lay preacher, a home group leader. I'm not saying anyone is, but they could be. We could be a false teacher. I'm just not really sure we think they're here in the nice churches we belong to. Rich and the elders will try and guard against um, false teaching. They'll try and guard the teaching ministry here as much as they can. But nobody can guard against the human heart. We must all be on our guard. Test everything. Have your Bibles open at everything. Watch the lives and doctrines of those who have a teaching ministry particularly closely. Of course, none of us are perfect. We all stumble and fall. But look at the pattern of life. Do not be afraid to challenge your leaders on their lives or their teaching, as we should be doing that with one another. And beware teaching that doesn't include a call to repentance and faith in every area of our lives. Yes, sex and relationships, but also how we use our time and our money. Self-serving or to serve the Lord and others. Or the pride in our hearts that drives us on for greater social status or recognition or success. Or it makes us unable to say sorry and admit we were wrong or we were misjudged. 
The gospel calls us to humility in our relationships. I often say in wedding talks that I am sorry and please forgive me are words often heard in any healthy marriage. We might add to that any healthy church family. Beware teaching and teachers that don't call us to repentance in every area of our lives. Who lovingly sympathise with us, yet affirm our ungodly attitudes and actions. Of course we've got to be pastorally sensitive. But the call of the Bible, Ephesians 4.15, is to speak the truth in love. Not to try and love people apart from the truth which is actually unloving because it affirms us in our sin. And Jude warns us strongly about the consequences of sin. As we we look through verses 5 to 16, there are past warnings against false teachers, false teaching, ungodly living, leading others astray, uh, of God's power and authority to punish sin in the past. We in the present must therefore take God seriously on this. There are different dimensions of sin. Um, Verses 5 and 16, there's unbelief and grumbling against God. Verse 7, there's sexual immorality. Verses 8 and 11, there's rejecting authority, ultimately the authority of God to tell us how to live our lives. As in verse 4, the lordship of the Lord Jesus. Verse 11, treating other people all made in God's image with contempt as Cain did, or or as verse 16, flattering others for one's own advantage. Judgment came, it is coming. Verses 14 and 15, Jesus is coming to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they've committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That is really serious and it is really (coughs) sobering. We don't want to be caught up in following false teaching, which verse 18 is about following our own ungodly desires. Yet that's why it's appealing, because it appeals to the natural desires of my heart. Contend for the faith, beware the lie of cheap grace. So what are we going to do as we contend for the faith? Well, there are two things Jude encourages with. The next heading Uh, build one another up in Jesus build one another up in Jesus don't be caught off guard verse 17 there is nothing new and unexpected Jesus apostles said this would happen from the day Jesus went to heaven until the day Jesus comes back verse 18 there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires that they might not divide you Verses 20 and 21, grow together in the life of faith and prayer, keeping in God's love until that day Jesus comes back. Or or let me put it another way. Christian brothers and sisters, guard against the world alluring us from allegiance to Jesus by building one another up in him. The starting point for contending for the faith begins by looking at ourselves. Keeping that glorious truth of verse 1 alive as those who've been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Christ Jesus. What a reminder of our secure position in Jesus, of all we are and have because of Jesus, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
more than just dwelling on that in a sort of monastic type sense. Verse 21, here's a great quote. Once people have realised they are unworthy objects of the love of God in Jesus, they are challenged to respond in love, and that love must be shown in behaviour. John 15, 9 to 10, Jesus says, I've loved you, remain in my love, keep my commands. Knowing that glorious truth of verse 1, that's going to impact our lives. That's going to help us live in light of it. Build one another up in Jesus. The starting point for contending for the faith begins by looking at ourselves and allowing what we believe to affect our behaviour. Belief affects behaviour. As verse 21, we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring us to eternal life. We avoid falling into the error of false teaching by keeping in the front of our minds every single day who Jesus is and the fact that he's coming back. I tend to say live with an eternal perspective. They're not my own words, but they're good words. Live each day with an eternal perspective. Daily living with Jesus' return in mind, that's the best antidote to wandering off. The world around us with its demands, its pressures and its temptations, it feels so real to us. But the greater reality, unseen to us now as we sit here this morning, is that Jesus is reigning on his throne in heaven and one day he's coming back. When that reality is before us, the temptation of the world, the allures of false teaching and ungodly living, they fade in comparison. Build one another up in Jesus. Get our own lives right with God before we try and help others. That we might, verses 22 and 23, then bring some back to the truth of the gospel. There's a right responsibility we have as Christians towards others. Whether those unsure but but tempted by false teaching and ungodly living, or those who are more entwined with it, even proponents of it themselves, there is nobody who is beyond the scope of the gospel. How do we do this? Well, mercy seems to be the repeated word of these verses. Be merciful, verse 22. Show mercy, verse 23. Hate false teaching, but love those who are being led astray by it. The stakes are really high. Verse 23, snatching people from the fire of hell is part of our contending. We call it evangelism with unbelievers. And we call it rebuke or discipline with believers who start heading that way. Calling people back to Christ. And we do that, verse 23, mixed with fear. Perhaps a right fear that we don't get caught up in it ourselves, you know, tempted or allured into it. Sin that so easily entangles, as Hebrews 12 puts it. The sort of entangling sin the false teachers promoted, that can be really hard to escape. We may think we're clear and solid, but if we focus on others' sins all the time, it's easy to miss our own brokenness or or to profoundly assume Um, that we are somehow immune to temptation. Back to my youth group, sex and relationships, evangelistic dating was often a topic. 
going out with someone who isn't a Christian with the mindset that maybe some of our Christianness will rub off on them. Jude says, show mercy mixed with fear. Hebrews 12 says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Don't do it. That's not how God calls his people to live. Contend for the faith. Beware the lie of cheap grace. Build one another up in Jesus. And very finally, trust God to preserve us. Trust God to preserve. This is more a closing point than a main point. We're nearly at the end. You'll be pleased to know. But it is a glorious point. We are secure in Christ. God keeps us in Christ. Verse 1, called and loved and kept. Contend for the faith. Be active to stand against false teaching and ungodly living in our lives and in our churches. Build one another up in Jesus. But at the end of the day, trust God to preserve us. After the mess we might get ourselves into with false teaching and ungodly living, with all its eternal consequences, Jude ends by pointing us to our great and glorious God. And what he can do for us. It's there in the doxology of 24 and 25. The heart of God. He wants to keep his people. Safe and secure. We rest confident in him. In nothing but him. But in him. And that is a real tonic for the soul. So as we finish now. If I can be forgiven. Doesn't that mean I can do whatever I like? Well let me end with a final quote. No one who knows how sinful they are, what it costs Jesus to gain them forgiveness, and how wonderful it is to be freely forgiven, would ever want to live like that. It would be crazy, like like jumping back into a burning building we've been rescued from. Contend for the faith. Beware the lie of cheap grace. Build one another up in Jesus. And trust God to preserve us. Why don't we pray now? Father God, to you who are able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before your glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.